Well, it's a joy to see so many of you come back this afternoon, and I want to share with you something that's very dear to my heart, and I think it's very dear to your heart, too. Our need, my need and your need, of having a personal Savior. That's why we're here, isn't it? Because we want Jesus Christ to be real in our day-to-day experience. You know, when, when we were singing through that song, there was in that last verse, there was a little phrase, prone, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Have you ever felt like wandering away from God? I have. It doesn't really take a lot of effort, in fact. It just takes a moment of turning our eyes off of Him, and we find ourselves in a short period of time, maybe moments, maybe longer periods of time, we're far from Him. If you've experienced that. I want to share with you today something that the Lord has put in my heart many years ago, and it continues to be in my heart, my prayer, my desire, is to have Christ be a real, personal Savior. You know, Jesus came not just to save us and forgive us from our sin. He wants to save us from what? From sinning, right? He wants to be a personal God. He wants to be a personal Savior to guide us, to keep us from going astray. I can remember many years ago reading this verse. It's found in John chapter 15, and starting with verses 1 through 5. We're not going to read the whole thing, but just to give you the picture, it's talking about Christ being the vine and we are the branches. And then in verse 5... It talks about bearing fruit. When we are the branch and we're grafted into the vine, we bear fruit. And who does that fruit represent? Jesus Christ, right? We reflect His fruit, His image. And so it bears beautiful, a beautiful life, right? And that's what we desire because as Christians, we want to be like Him. That means to be Christ-like. But then the next few words there, closing that verse, chapter 15 of John and verse 5. For without me, he says, ye can do nothing. Now we all know that, right? We all know that without Jesus Christ, it's impossible to do anything. We know it here. But do we know it in our practical, everyday life? Have you experienced it? I mean, in in our marriage, it could be something so simple as one day I was standing in the bathroom in the morning, I was brushing my teeth, and my husband comes to the bathroom door, and he asked me for a very important letter that we had received in the mail, something that was very important that we needed to address, and he was coming to the bathroom door to ask me a very simple and honest question. Honey, where's the letter we got from so-and-so in the mail? Do you know, in a flash, my first thought was, I don't have that letter. I gave it to you. I don't have it. And I felt myself doing what? Starting to come up, right? You all know what it feels like. It's, it's, a, it's almost an intense feeling that wells up inside of us. And thankfully, at that moment, my mouth was full of toothpaste and a toothbrush, and I couldn't say a word. And in that amount of time, the Lord called to my heart, because he wanted to be my Savior. What did he want to save me from? Maybe a, a sharp word, a sharp response, a, a accusation. I gave it to you. You have it. 
you know, the spirit that can come so easy. And so by the time I got rid of the toothbrush and the toothpaste, God had given me a better way to respond. Honey, I'm not sure where the letter is because I really didn't know because in my mind it was clear he had it. So, of course, I didn't know where it was. That's what was in my mind. In his mind, it was clear that I had it. And that kind of situation, as simple as a letter, can cause what? Conflict. It can cause self to come up. It can be the the instrument by which we go into sin and into agitation, and then something else comes up and something else comes up. Before you know it, it can taint the entire day. And for some, it can taint days of time. Jesus says, without me, we can do nothing. It's impossible to do anything without the power of Jesus Christ. We cannot control our flesh. That's why Jesus says that he's the vine and we're the branch, and in order to be in him, we have to be grafted into him, fiber by fiber. That means we have to be severed from the old rootstock of self. You know the Bible talks about that? Not in those terms necessarily, but there are three interesting roots of self that the Bible talks about. And it's these three roots of self that cause us, that lead us to do our own way and to end up where we often end up in discouragement, in frustration, maybe even anger. Because self is ruling and Christ is not. He wants to be our personal savior. So I'd like to illustrate these three roots of self this afternoon through my personal experience because my prayer is that the Lord will be my personal savior. I hope you pray that way in the morning, every day. Lord, today, today, Lord, I want you to be my savior. I want you to guide my thoughts Because it's our thoughts that lead us into every decision we make. Our thoughts is what lead every word that comes out of our mouth. Our thought is what leads every emotion, our mood, our experience that we go through. That's where God wants to work. The Bible calls it our thoughts. It calls it our heart. It calls it our soul, our mind. God wants to be there for us, a personal Savior. So this one morning, years ago... And this, again, it's been my prayer often, daily, that God will be my personal Savior. Christ will be my Savior. But this one particular day, I can remember praying, Lord, today I want you to be my Savior. I want you to walk with me. I want you to guide me. I want you to help me to think the right way and to respond the right way. And this particular day, we had friends visiting us from out of state. We didn't get to see them very often, so you know what it's like when you get together with special friends. It's something that you want to just soak in all the time you can get with them. And we had planned a special afternoon. We were going to sit around our pond in the backyard, and we were going to visit while our children played there around the pond. And I can remember in our discussion, catching up what was happening in their lives and what was happening in our lives. In that discussion, after a while, they asked us about another family, mutual friends, who were not present with us. And they said, well, how is the so-and-so family doing? And as soon as that question came, my mind flooded with all kind of thoughts. But before I could even open my mouth, my husband started to share something. And you know what I did? It's what often we do in our flesh. When we have something we want to say and we want to 
make sure we have the opportunity to speak, right? I found myself kind of sitting right up on the edge of my chair, waiting for that split second in the conversation so I could jump in with what I wanted to say. Have you ever done that? I think all of us have, right? Even children do it, right? Now, maybe not the little bitty ones. Maybe sometimes they do too. But that was where I found myself that day. And I began to share with our friends all about this other family. And even as I was sharing, I began to feel, as I heard my words, I began to feel uncomfortable. Because I was telling them the truth. This family was struggling spiritually. This family was really straying from the path. This family was really compromising. This family was losing their experience with God. And as I began to share my testimony of this family, I felt the peace of God leave me. I didn't have peace. And then I finished and I sat back in my chair and then I just started to try to listen to the rest of the conversation, but I didn't have peace. You know why I didn't have peace? Why don't you have peace when you jump in and say what you want to say that is not spirit-led? Why don't we have peace? Because we have separated from Christ, right? You know, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians that the recipe for our words, and we can really say the recipe for our thoughts are whatsoever things are true, what I spoke was true. Whatsoever things are honest, what I spoke was honest. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely. Oh, there's more than one or two qualifiers, right, for our speech. And all of a sudden, I began to recognize that what I said wasn't lovely. And it wasn't really very just. And it really, what, what was I really doing? I was leading them to think a certain way about this family. Now, when I sat back in my chair and I didn't have peace, I knew why I didn't have peace. And I asked God to begin to work in my heart. And I knew what God was asking me to do. And the next break in the conversation, I needed to, to say to everyone there, my husband included, to look them in the eye and to confess and repent. You know, confession and repentance is to humble our hearts, to give Christ the opportunity to cleanse us and to reestablish ourselves with him. The prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, says this, The heart is deceitful, Above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? So you see, I didn't even know my own heart. When I was sitting on the chair waiting for the opportunity to speak, I wasn't really 100% comfortable, but I in my mind, because my mind was deceitful, my heart is deceitful, I don't understand my true condition, I began to say, well, you know, it's going to be true. I'm not just going to tell it like it is. But I didn't have peace. I knew what God was asking me to do, and I said, you know, what I spoke, those words I spoke, I'm sorry I said those. I hope it doesn't change how you feel about them. I hope it helps all of us to pray more earnestly for them and to reach out to this family. Would you forgive me? Now, I can't erase those words, and I can't take those words back. You know when we speak a word, they're forever out of our lips. It's something we can never take back. But God uses those experiences to teach us how much we need Him as our personal Savior. 
And I can tell you, I've been much more sensitive. Not that I've been perfect since, not that I haven't failed since, but many times when I'm under that same temptation, the Lord brings me back and and reminds me of that. Because that's one of those roots of self, is self-deception. That's one of those roots of self that God wants to sever in order to graft us into a vine. How many of you have ever done any type of gardening? Okay, a fair amount of you. And you know that any tree or plant or shrub always has a main root, doesn't it? A tap root, it's called. Even little plants have a main root. And then oftentimes they have secondary roots that come off, and they're very strong also. We have fruit trees in our yard, and... You know, they have that main root that goes down. They have a couple of big, strong roots that come off the side of that. Those I compare to the roots of self. You know, when we weed our garden, if we lop off the top, you know, get the top of those dandelions down and get the top of this down, you know, the the next time they come up, the tops are so little. But what's the root like underneath? Much bigger, isn't it? It can be thicker and stronger and longer, and it's much harder. We always know when someone's in a hurry weeding the garden, when the tops come off and the weeds reappear, and we go to get it, and we find out we have a little dandelion top, but we got a root like that. So we're not talking about an exterior Christianity We're not talking about outward conformity to the scriptures. We're talking about a deep heart experience where self is rooted out, these roots of self, and we are grafted again into the vine. That was a powerful lesson that day, but that's not the only root of self that God wanted to reveal in my life. It's not the only root of self that we have to meet, that we have to face. Continuing to pray daily, Lord, I want you to be my personal Savior. I can remember this one morning, this one day was such a powerful experience to me and how much God loves us personally, that he wants to answer those prayers and he wants to guide us, he wants to direct us in everything we think and do. Is that possible? Is that possible? Absolutely. That's what the scriptures teach us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's what he desires of us. It's possible because when we are grafted to him, we then have his mind, his thoughts, his character. And that's the school that we're all in here. In this world is learning how to be severed from those roots of self and grafted fiber by fiber into the vine Jesus Christ therefore when we abide in him we can't help but bear fruit not for our glory but it will simply be a reflection of him well this one particular day I was going to go to town with the children now for us where we live in Montana going to town is not a daily event it's even not a weekly event sometimes it's a monthly event when the children were quite a bit younger we're 65 miles from a major shopping area so as you can understand it's not something we do regularly and so when the town day comes along over the period of time we make a list and by the time we go to town that list can be very big And you know what happens to all of us when we have more to do in a day than it's possible to get done? We tend to get what? Intense, impatient, 
We tend to be more forceful, in a hurry. If you don't notice others, we, we focus on getting down what we have to get done. And I knew from past experience that was me. So I knew what God was calling to my heart that morning in my prayer. Today I want to be your Savior. Today I want to guide you through this town day, and I want you to go through the entire day with me as your Savior, to guide you step by step by step. You don't have to be intense. You don't have to be impatient. You can go through this day, and it can be a relaxed, joyful day. And I was excited about that challenge to me in my prayer time that morning because I knew Jesus was already preparing my heart for the kind of day he wanted to have with me because he loves us. He loves me. And he wants our days to be full of joy. And so... I began, my children and I got in the car and we drove the 65 miles of town and I had the list all organized, stop by stop, starting at one end of the town and working to the other end of the town. Very organized all the way through the day. And I found it such a joy. It was so exciting. The first stop, the second stop, the third stop. My thoughts are constantly thinking of the Lord and my need of Him and how He would lead me and how He would guide me and how He would help me to remember certain things through this whole day. And it was exciting to me. We were nearing toward the end of the day and it had been the best town day I had ever experienced. And I was excited. And we had gone in those days. It was uh, Kmart. We didn't even have a Walmart in our town at that time. And I went into Kmart and I wanted to buy a couple of oil filters for our truck. You know, they're good-sized oil filters, plus a few other things, and that was my, my stop there. And I can remember going in the store, and of course I had three little children, so you mothers out there know that if we were to do every shopping experience without our children, we could get it done much faster, right? But when you have to get three children in and out of the car, and we have to keep three children with us in the store, and keep them guided and focused, it's a little bit more challenging. Well, it had gone very well, and as I was walking back out to the car with my three children, I had the thought that to save time, because we're always looking to save time, right? Because I had a few more stops to make, and the day was moving on. And I wasn't impatient, but I had the thought to save time, I'll give the sack of oil filters to one of my girls. I'll unlock the car. They can get in, and while they're getting in and putting the oil filters away, I can come around and get in the driver's side. See, I would probably save all of five or ten seconds, wouldn't I? And so this was my plan. And I came up to the door. This is the days before they had the little lockers. You had to put the key in. You know, these are the old days. You had to put the key in and turn the lock. And I unlocked their door, and I handed the, the bag of oil filters to my child, to my girl. And at that moment, as I was in the process of handing the sack to my daughter, I had one of these flash thoughts. Something is going to go wrong. Have you ever had a thought like that? That is, when those thoughts come, that is a call from the Lord. It's a warning. In just a split second, life is going to be different than you think. This is your opportunity, right? It's a warning. It's a call to our heart. Something is going to go wrong. I've had that a few times in my life, and every time something has gone wrong that I've had that thought that preceded it. And sure enough, just like that, the oil filter slipped out of her hand, and they hit me right on the foot. Well, it was in the summer, and I had a nice pair of open-toed sandals on. And the angle at which those oil filters hit the toes of my foot immediately sent excruciating pain. 
We know, right? I mean, it's, it registers pain from the, from the split second it hits. Isn't, aren't we fearfully and wonderfully made how quick that nervous system works, right? And immediately I knew I was in the greatest battle that we all face. The battle to surrender self to do the will of God or to do what self wants to do and what? Say something, right? It comes spontaneous to our, the human nature. That moment in that battle, I recognized the Lord was calling to my heart. I want to be your Savior. At the same moment, my flesh, in cooperation with the devil, is crying out, They are so irresponsible. You just told them to take the sack, and they dropped it on, their fo- on your foot. What is wrong with that child? Why can't they do a simple little thing like, you know, take the sack? Well, I didn't say anything. And that's good, but that's not enough. It's not enough just to not say something. What's enough is to give it all to Jesus Christ and let him cleanse us from within. Well, I didn't say anything, and I started walking around the car to get in. And I was in a battle all the way. You know, I can remember every step around the car. It just, let it go, Elaine. Don't say it. But she needs to know she's irresponsible. She needs to know that I'm hurting. And if it had, if she hadn't dropped those oil filters, I wouldn't be feeling the same way I'm feeling. And I was still feeling pretty bad. My foot was still hurting pretty bad. You know, we're told that when we choose, when we don't choose in the moment of temptation to surrender our will, ourself, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we are parlaying with the temptation. We are actually opening the door for Satan to enter. And that's how we become defeated. The first call to our heart is the moment when Jesus wants us to surrender those thoughts, those feelings, whatever is flooding us at that moment. But I parlayed. I dallied with that temptation. And you know why? Because I started justifying what I needed to say. So I got in the car and I stuck the key in the ignition and I turned on the ignition. I turned around and I started chastising my daughter for being so irresponsible. Now, I wasn't cursing at her, and I wasn't screaming at her. You know, we're Christians, right? We've done that. But now, Christian, they don't scream. We just... Is the spirit any different? No. God wants our whole heart. He doesn't just want to change the level of our voice. He wants to change the words and the spirit of our voice. And so as I begin to to chastise my little daughter in the back seat for being so irresponsible and clumsy, and, and I looked at her and I looked at the other two and I saw three children with tears running down their faces. And it broke my heart. Because... God wanted to be my Savior. He wanted me to respond a different way. He wanted me to reveal Him to my children, even in this little crisis. And I chose to do it my way because I felt justified. I felt I had a good reason. I felt that it was their fault. And when I saw those tears, the Lord broke through to me. And before I even finished the whole thing I had figured out I was going to say in my mind. 
the Lord changed my direction. And I started saying, children, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for the spirit I had. I'm sorry. It wasn't really your fault. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry I wasn't a good example. Jesus said these words in Luke 16, verse 15. This is that second root of self. Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. That's what I was doing, wasn't it? I was justifying my out-of-control spirit. I was justifying it before my children. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That second root of self is self-justification, rationalizing, excusing away our behavior, our sin, our separation from God, feeling justified in it. And we've all done it. Everyone in this room has done it. And you know, if you're just going to tell your husband just how you think, if you're going to you know, respond to your child just how you're going to, think or you're going to respond to your parent what you want them to know and you are not in the spirit of Christ, do you feel better when you've said it all? We never do. Because the Lord says there's no peace to the wicked. We can't have peace when we're separated from Christ. The only way we can have peace is if we're abiding in Jesus Christ. And when we abide in Christ, we don't have the spirit of condemnation. We don't have the spirit of justification. That was a very important lesson for me that day. Self-justification. The Lord wants to sever that root of self, self-justification from us. He wants to graft us into him as the vine. And many times that lesson has come back again and again. And just like children of Israel of old, you know when they fell on the borders of the promised land, God brought them back to the same thing 40 years later, didn't he? And we're told that when we fail in the Christian experience, that because God loves us, he will bring us back across that same ground again to give us another opportunity to choose for him, to allow him to be our Savior, the Lord of our life, and to give us the victory that we need in him. Now, it won't be identical circumstances necessarily, but it will deal with the same element of our heart that we've held on to. And it was just one year later. We were traveling across the United States, and we stopped at a family's home. We had a van at that time with one of those sliding doors. And we had just filled up our three-gallon water cooler full of nice, good-tasting spring water because we don't like city water. We like spring, fresh, pure mountain water. We just filled up this three-gallon container, and we were in the people's home. We were getting settled in. And I sent one of my children back out to the van to get something. And trying to be a conscientious mother, I noticed that they were taking a very long time to do a very simple task. So I decided I would go outside to see what was taking them so long. And I came around to the side of the van door, and I opened the door, not realizing that the van was sitting on the ground, which was not level. And the side that was facing down was the side where the door was. I had also not realized that somehow that three-gallon water cooler, which always sat by the door when we traveled, because that's a good place for it to drip, you know, in that little threshold, that foot threshold, that I didn't realize that it was now leaning against the door of the van. So when I opened the door, three-gallon water cooler fell on my foot. Not only was the same foot, but I had the same pair of shoes on. That means I had no toes to protect, no tops of those shoes to protect my toes. And three gallons of water were so precisely aimed and 
landed, the pain was so intense. I really thought my toes had gotten broken. And immediately I knew what my Lord was calling to my heart. And my child who was in the van was also looking at their mother. Is the Lord going to be my Savior today? Can he save us at this moment, in this little crisis? You know, if we planned all our crises out ahead of time, do you think we would be prepared to meet him? Do you think we would? Not without Christ. No matter how well we plan. You know, sometimes we can plan things. And no matter, but we don't plan our crises into our day, do we? We don't plan, okay, I think next week I'm going to, you know, let a water cooler fall on my foot and I'm going to see how I deal with it. We don't plan that into our day. It happens. And you know, we're told that it's in a crisis where character is revealed. That's where we see who we really are. Not when things are going smooth, not when things are easy, not when things are all lining up, but in a crisis is where we see if God is really our Savior, if Christ is really my personal Savior, or if I'm really self-managing, which is something we all do very easily. So, when I felt the pain of that water cooler on my foot, and I knew the Lord calling my heart. You know, the devil tried the same um, flood of lies, shall I say, that same flood of thoughts that came back to me about what? What's the matter? Because I know that well, I was I was very confident when I left the van that thing was sitting straight. That's what I remembered. But it doesn't matter what we remember. What matters is in the moment who is going to control us? Is Jesus really going to be our Savior and save us from ourselves? Or are we going to fall into flesh and sin and then have to come back? later to confess and repent. I'm thankful that he's a Savior who forgives, but he's also a Savior who lives, who wants to live in us to give us the victory over our flesh. And I surrendered my heart immediately, and it was interesting to see the difference in my child. Mother, mother, are you okay, mother? You know, mother, maybe I accidentally hit that when I came in. Mother, it's my fault. Are you okay, mother? Honey, I'm fine. My feet, my toes hurt, but I'm okay. It wasn't your fault. It doesn't matter. What matters is is that we hold on to Jesus Christ. No self-justification. The third root, which is the deepest root of self, is called pride. The love of self. It's in every one of us here in this room. It's a part of our human nature. And we have cultivated it for many years, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly. That root of self, self-love. Obadiah, verse 3. You know, that one little book in the Bible, it's a whole chapter long. There's a couple of, three of them in there that are just very, very short. But they have a powerful message. They shouldn't be overlooked. Obadiah, verse 3, it says, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. That's why our heart is deceitful, because we love ourselves. That is why our heart wants to justify and excuse ourselves, because we love ourselves. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. It was on this same trip, when we were traveling across country, that accidentally I had left all of my clothes at someone's home, all my dress clothes in the hanging bag, and we were traveling on from from Montana to New York State. That's quite a ways in distance. A few days, more than a few days of travel time. And I didn't know it until that night we got at our next lo- location, the hotel, and the next morning my husband went out to the van to get 
hanging bag to get something out. And when he brought it in and unzipped it, I noticed that my dresses, my clothes, weren't hanging in the front of the bag. And I had this, this sudden thought, uh-oh, my clothes. Did I put my clothes in the bag? So I asked him to go out and get, we had two matching hanging bags. I thought, oh, they must be in the other bag, of course. So he went out. I didn't tell him what I was asking him to do. He said, okay, I'll go get it for you. And he brought it in, and I unzipped that, and I went through everything in there, and there were no clothes for me. We're one day away from starting a camp meeting, and I had nothing to wear except the, the clothes I had on, a couple little T-shirt travel-type blouses, all my other camp meeting clothes. All my other clothes were in these bags, locked in someone's home, because when we left, they weren't there. We left their key on the counter. They were actually out of town. Wow, you talk about temptation. At least it was for me. What did I want to do? Well, you know, that morning before we left, I was conscientiously packing all the clothes. And my husband came to me, and he interrupted me because he needed to ask me a question about a phone call he had just gotten that was going to change our plans. So that was the first thought I had. You know, if he hadn't interrupted me, I would have gotten my clothes in there, and we wouldn't be in the situation we are right now. But I already knew. I learned enough, at least by that time, not to start blaming. That's human nature. Blaming doesn't change anything. It only complicates matters. And then I started thinking, well, how are we going to deal with this? Well, he had a great idea. Tonight when we stop at our next place, the evening before we start the next morning, I will drop you off at a mall. It was going to be Syracuse, New York is where we're staying. Never been in a big city. Well, I've been in big cities, but never Syracuse, New York. One of the biggest malls right there. And he dropped me off, and he was going to go down and find a laundromat. Bless his heart, he's going to wash all these dirty clothes. And he was going to leave me there, and I could get a whole new wardrobe so I'd be ready for camp meeting. Wasn't that nice of him? (laughs) Well, you'd have to shop with me. I'm just not one who picks something. Oh, I like this, this, and this. I have to, it has to be a good deal. It has to fit and it has to be modest, okay? You know? So you put all those things together and it narrows it down really quick. And so all you do is walk by some of the windows that are there and you you don't need to go there, there, there. And there's very few places you can really go if you don't want to follow the fashions of the world. And so after about an hour and a half, I came out and the only thing I had in my hand was my handbag. And my husband drove up. He was now done with all the laundry. I had lots of new, clean clothes, but they weren't the kind of clothes you'd go to a meeting in. They weren't the right ones. So he said, uh, he'd been, he's been married quite a few years, and we've had a few of those shopping experiences at first that weren't always the most positive experiences in our marriage. And so there was the temptation to go to the past, right? Lord said, don't go there. This is a new moment. I want to be your Savior right now. And the Lord called to my heart that next morning when I woke up. Kamini starts in a few hours, and all I have on is what I'm going to wear for the next five days. And I started to cry. And you know, it was interesting. I was, I was having quiet time with the Lord, and the Lord was revealing to me the reason I was struggling so much with this. The temptation to blame, the temptation to justify, the temptation to, why was it such a struggle when I keep surrendering and come back and surrendering and come back? Because it was all about myself, my love of myself. I didn't want to be up front. My husband's got a nice suit on and I'm here standing in jeans, jeans skirt and a t-shirt. It's because I didn't want to be viewed like that. 
So my tears were not tears because I left my clothes or because I didn't have any nice things to wear. My tears were because the Lord had revealed to me how much pride I had that I didn't know. That's how much he loves us. The pride of our heart. That's what deceives us. And so when Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing, he truly means it in every way. We are not safe when we self-manage. We are only safe when we allow Christ to manage us and to have our hearts. And as we learn that experience, we grow in him. We find that our lives become happier, more peaceful, more fulfilling. And you know what happens? And we're told that this will happen the closer we get to the end of time, that the trials will intensify. The refiner's fire will be turned up to purify to burn off the dross and purify the gold. And the only way that can happen is if we allow Jesus to be our Savior. And when we are connected to him as the vine, and we are severed from those roots of self, then as the fires turn up, we become more purified. And in our abiding with him, we find our safety and our peace. So I want to encourage you today, and it's an encouragement to myself. It's a day-by-day-by-day experience that Jesus wants to be real in each of us. He wants to be a personal Savior to lead us and guide us. And when you find yourself in a crisis, when you find yourself facing a temptation, when you find yourself ready to justify, to excuse, to blame, remember, you will never find peace in that. The only way we will find peace is to let Christ have us fully. That is where we find that joy in in Jesus Christ. He truly wants to be our Savior very personally. And I, I pray that each one of us will let him have our hearts and from this day forward be new creatures in him. Will you kneel with me as we invite him to be our personal Savior? Father in heaven, your word is so precious to us because you reveal in there our great need of you. And you also show us how destitute we are when we do not have you abiding in us. Thank you for being willing to humble yourself, to come through, the, through Jesus Christ and to live an example of what you would have us to become through your power. Thank you that you're willing to help us, to be personal with each one of us in our lives. And I just pray that each one here today would be willing to have you be their personal Savior. May it be more meaningful with each new hour that passes that we can experience the joy that passes all understanding. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.